Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. But I think about that that question that Pastor Dave asked, what's your least favorite chore to do around the house? And in general, I hate yard work. Why I got a house with the yard is beyond me. Uh, It's probably because of my dog and my child, I guess. But I absolutely positively hate yard work. But this past year, I learned a new one that I hate tenfold specifically to do with outside. And that's climbing the ladder to the roof to empty the gutters with the leaves partially because it's a ladder and I am not a a tiny individual. Second, my wife, who is a tiny individual, is usually the one at the bottom, and she does everything she can, but let's be honest, I'm still scared and I love her, and she hasn't killed me yet, so that's always a fantastic thing. But that that has newly become my absolute least favorite chore to do as we get ready for spring. But spring often reminds us of spring cleaning. Raise your hand if you have started some sort of spring cleaning. Anybody on the other side saying, I don't even bother doing spring cleaning. It's like, I don't clean, I just leave it dirty, that's okay. See, it's easy with spring to set a reminder for ourselves to take care of some of the items around our home that might get neglected over the winter or just without that reminder, you kind of just leave it and doesn't get that attention. You know, for example... Uh, recently, we just purchased a blind cleaning apparatus device thing, whatever you want to call it. It's like a clamp. Honestly, it looks like a curling iron, but for your, your blinds, it's got some dust things on the end of it. And you go to your blinds, and you clamp it on, and you slide it left and right, and then you go to the next one. But the thing, I, I wonder, you know, we haven't really got a chance to really put it to good use is, is it really going to be more effective than just grabbing a, a rag or whatever you use to clean and just wipe down those one by one versus taking the time to meticulously uh, get that on? It, it's probably not as uh, quick or as efficient, but it looks good and it sounds good. And uh, that's why we have it. But the fact is that there's a reason why devices like this exist. And it's a good reminder that not only do we have messy things in our lives, but we're also looking for the quickest most easiest, most convenient way to handle the mess in our lives. I mean, why else would you create a, a blind cleaner that clamps on each individual blind one at a time? We have mess in our lives, and we're looking for the easiest way to take care of it. See, one of my favorite things I've been seeing on the internet for the last couple of weeks is these videos of when you clean your house because somebody's coming over. And it's the fear of as soon as that guest shows up to your house, they knock on that door, you open the door, and they run in, they run up your stairs, they go right into your bedrooms, all of them, and they check to make sure that under the bed is clean, behind the, you know, everything is clean behind your headboard, that all the baseboards are clean in the children's rooms, that all the dust off of the fan in the kids' room is all taken care of. And like, we have that fear Somebody's coming over, i got to clean every nook and cranny that nobody sees, that I don't imagine. Some of you guys are probably laughing because you know I'm doing that, or I do that all the time, or I grew up doing that. And it's funny because, honestly, it's true, right? I grew up doing that. I remember somebody would come over, and honestly, it was probably just my parents' excuse to have people come over or to have me clean my room. 
or have my sister clean her room or take care of these different things because if somebody's coming up, I had to clean my room. Even though they were not going to see my room, my room had to be clean. The spaces that somebody coming over is never going to see, it had to be clean. And, you know, part of it is you got to do what you got to do to get your son to clean his room. So, you know, any excuse you can, somebody's coming over, your room better be clean. And honestly, it's still true. Even if somebody's coming over to drop something off, how many of us are quickly cleaning everything that you would see if that door is wide open? And it's just the parts that you can see, right? This is why you have the back room of your house that nobody ever sees. That's where all the kids' toys are. I know we've got one of those rooms where this is the kids' toy room, but the front is pristine. So if anybody ever comes up or, you know, peeks through our windows, they're like, oh, wow, these, these guys are clean. They're keeping it together. Side note, nothing is worse than an unforeseen visitor showing up to your house when you know what your house looks like. And it's messy and dirty. Even though we all know what it's like to have kids in our home or have a dirty home and things all over the place scattered, you're in the middle of a home project. We know what that's like to have that pile of laundry on the floor somewhere that you don't want anybody to come see. You want proof? In my life, we have a drawer. We have this in our dining room, and it collects our spam mail. Because for a while, it sits on our kitchen table or our kitchen counter, and it sits there, and it's just a spam mail that, ah, you know, I'm too tired to deal with it and sort through it. But you know it's spam mail. Does anybody else collect spam mail, or is it just me? But it just sits there, and it sits there, and it's like, oh, you know, somebody's coming over. You know, let me just gather this, put this in the drawer, and I'm going to shove this in here, and I'm going to deal with it later. And then it's probably once a quarter that I kind of get into that drawer, and I'm like, wow, this is absolutely garbage, and uh, I could have gone three feet over to the garbage can, but instead I went three feet over into the table's drawer or the buffet drawer that we have in our dining room. For some absolute moronic reason, that's what I do. But see, the truth is, we all have those places where we shove our stuff, where we hide it because somebody's coming over quickly, and we've got our mess, we've got the things that we don't want anybody to see, so we just find the spot and we quickly shove it away. Maybe you're one of those few people in the world that has absolute no shame. Awesome. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> because I want to make sure everybody sees this thing, it looks pristine, it looks nice. And why do we do this? Because nobody wants to be seen as the messy family. Nobody wants to be seen as the person that doesn't keep their house together. So when we know that someone is going to see the most intimate spaces of our family's life, we try to quickly gather and arrange things in a way that communicates what I expect others to expect me to be. I mean, we just said it. Everybody's seen a messy house, right? Everybody's seen your own house messy? Like, others might not have, but you've seen your own house messy, right? Guess what? Everybody else in this room has had their house look like that at one point or another. And if you're saying not me, that's awesome. I'm proud of you. You are my hero. But see, nobody wants to step up and say, I, I want to be the messy house. I want to be the house that everybody comes through and they can't walk through. But see, yet as we know, as soon as the guests leave, that closet door that's barely staying closed comes open and everything falls out of it. Or the overwhelming pile that is underneath the bed where you trapped the cat not knowing he was under there. You know, the cat's meowing and finally he can come out. I think we've only done that once, by the way, uh, but he's okay now. But see, we have these things where we just shove our mess 
under to hide it from the expectations of others, or at least what we think others are expecting of us. But let's be honest, we do this with our spiritual lives too. We do this with our spiritual lives. If we know we're going to see somebody from church or have them over our house, we want to make sure that our paper Bible, you know, the one that we haven't opened because we have a Bible app now, um, the paper Bible is now sitting in the right spot so everybody can see, oh, this person is a Christian. They read their Bible, and it's just sitting right there. But better yet, maybe you have this conversation with your family, maybe even in the car ride in today or another week to church, or maybe you remember this one, where you're arguing And then you walk in, like we didn't just argue the entire car ride to church because we have to have it together, right? Or we tell our kids what not to tell their teacher. Because we know kids repeat every single thing, even the part where we say not to tell them something. Say, listen, I get it. My wife and I, we're married three months, and by three months we realize, you know what, it's better for both of us if we drive separately to church. (laughs) And uh, we're not going to argue that way. And part of that was uh, being on staff at a church. I had to be there significantly earlier. And uh, so it was just easier for us. But we learned these things where you try to set yourself up for success. That way you're not arguing every single moment. But the truth is we have these moments where maybe things are falling apart in the car, and as soon as we get into church, we're like, all right, new face. Smile. Things are going great. I know I've mentioned this before, but that's why I don't often like to ask, how are you doing on your way into church? Because that's one of the most lied to questions in America. Why? I don't want you to lie walking into church. If I ask you the question, you can say, you know, what? it's been a rough week or it's been a rough day. It's been a rough weekend. You know, things aren't too great today. I don't expect you to lie, nor do I want you to lie. But the truth is, that's a question that has become kind of a formality, right? Where you see somebody say, oh, hey, how you doing? And if the answer is anything other than good, fine, how you doing? It's like, wait, I didn't actually ask you a question because I wanted that conversation piece. You ever feel like you actually answer that question and you realize they didn't mean to ask that question to you? Or maybe you've asked that question thinking, just please say fine. I'm asking this out of formality, See, the truth is, the reason we do this, the reason why we have stuff that we shove under, that we hide, is because living life is messy. Living life is messy. But let's first acknowledge the fact that every single person in this room, every single person who's watching online right now, has mess in their lives. Your mess might be more obvious right now than others. Your mess might feel messier. Your mess might feel larger, harder to clean up. But the truth is, at some point, even right now, there are people in this room, there are people who are joining us online that are experiencing mess in our lives. Yet for some reason, we have an innate desire to hide my mess, to not admit that, you know what, I don't have things together today, or I don't have things together this week. But honestly, that's one of the beautiful things about gathering as a church is this is where imperfect people come to encounter the one who is perfect, where imperfect people can build each other up and help each other out while not shaming others for our messes. We're not shaming others for the things that are a part of our lives that we might be ashamed of, but recognize that somebody else might have dealt with that already, or they might know how to deal with this better 
than I have. So we talk about the rhythm of spring cleaning and how do we apply this to our spiritual lives. So this morning, we're going to take some time and we're really going to look at some of the common elements of spring cleaning and what this means to our faith so that we can be successful as we enter into this new season to really evaluate, to be ready, to be prepared. So the first one is clearing the clutter. Clearing the clutter. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to clean that room tomorrow? I'm going to clean it next week. Or as soon as it's warm out, that's my favorite one with my garage. We all have that room. We all have that thing where we say, I'm going to take care of this later. And then, God forbid that day actually comes where we're actually going to clean that room that we just said for years we're going to clean. You get in the room. You ever just get to that spot where you said you're going to clean and you just stare at it? You just look. You're like, all right, time to clean the garage. Open the garage doors, get that air flowing. It's like, yep, it's the stuff. There's a lot of it. You ever just stare at it? It stares back at you. It really does. And you look at it. And then sometimes you make a plan on how you're going to take care of it, right? So you stare at it with purpose, maybe? Just looking at it, yep, that's all my clutter. That's all my stuff. That's really gross over there. I see that can that spilled. That was my snack last time I cleaned it. And uh, it's not a snack anymore. So we have these moments where we make the plan, and by the time we're done planning on how we're going to actually take care of this mess, it's time for dinner. It's too cold to do it. And you're like, you know what? I got a great plan for next time. And you pocket that idea in your head, and then you forget about it, and you go through that cycle. See, there have been times where I've wasted more time planning on how to clean the clutter out instead of just getting right in and removing it one by one. And I've done that with my spiritual life, too. Where I know there's an area in my life where, hey, I'm sitting. I need to grow in this area. This is a, an area of my spiritual life that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But instead of just saying, God, I'm giving this to you and I'm going to start working on this today, I kind of feel like I needed to meet with my youth pastor and say, all right, let's, let's create a plan. Let's work through this. And what's the 12-week plan that I need to get through? What's the right Bible reading plan that I should probably sign up for so that I can grow in this? And we start to do the same thing in our spiritual lives with the areas that we know we need to grow in. So we, want it, we feel good about it too, right? There's nothing wrong with planning. You're talking to somebody who likes to plan every aspect of his life. And Liz and I, why his calendar. So to say I need to make sure I don't plan and to start moving in on it, because the planning can become our excuse. Planning can, can become times that we waste instead of moving, instead of doing. And instead of repenting, I created a plan for repentance. I mean, it sounds good at the end of the day, right? I planned on this is how I'm going to make sure I, I repent. But the truth is I should have just repented. And say, God, I'm going to make this decision every day. I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm not going to try to do this. And if I do, I know I can still give it to you. But instead, I'm trying to create this 12-point checklist of how I make sure I don't fall back into sin or how I don't do this or how I grow in this area. See, honestly, a lot of that was rooted in the fact that I was a young Christian, immature in my faith, not recognizing that there was so much more to do and there's still so much more to learn. And the truth is that you and I are never done learning more about who Jesus is until the day that we meet him up in the clouds. 
that will never stop doing that. And see, I was at a point in my life where I was ignorant to what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So to summarize it, out with the old, in with the new. My old self has passed away. The new has come. See, Christ isn't holding my past against me or your past against you. And I believe that one of the main reasons that we as Christians find ourselves beating ourselves up over and over and over again regarding our sin is because we fail to take this scripture to heart. We fail to recognize that Jesus is saying the old is now dead. Our old selves are now dead. You are a new creation in me. See, Christ, he truly does move on when we ask him for forgiveness. But sometimes you ever find yourself apologizing to God, repenting to God for the same thing over and over and over again, even if you didn't do it again? You ever feel like God's holding this thing against you? And it's like, man, you know, this is continuing to happen over and over and over again. It's as if, you know, we have to keep making penance for my sin. But no, we look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, and it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And all we have to do is confess our sins because he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of all of our sins. He will forgive us and cleanse us. So when we look at the beauty of learning how to apply the practice of spring cleaning into our spiritual lives, we see the seasons of habits and commitments from New Year starting to wane. Did you make a spiritual commitment maybe this New Year, this past year? And kind of enter into the season now, we're about three months in, where it's easy to see these things wane. And we can step in and say, you know, God, this is a refresh, this is a renewal. I need to continue to give this to you. And when I give you my sins, Jesus, I know that you not only forgive me, but that you cleanse me. when we get through that, we begin to look at how we need to bring everybody, get everybody involved, bring your family, bring your friends in on this next area. See, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start a youth out on his way, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. So for those of you with little ones in your life, maybe they're your kids, nieces, nephews, grandkids, etc., when you bring your kids in on your spiritual decisions, on your spiritual growth, you are training them up and preparing them. It's similar to the idea of my son has a lot of cleaning toys. Uh, he's got a toy broom. He's got a toy mop. He's got a, 
a toy dustpan and a little sweeper with it, and he's got a toy duster. Um, but he still prefers a real-life Swiffer and, uh, with all of those things. But the truth is, when you train someone up, you train them how to clean, and they grow up learning how to clean. But when we train them on the things that are of God, when we train them on, here's how to get my spiritual life on track, here's what it looks like for me to spend time in devotions, we're training our children up to be prepared to do this. One of the key things I remember growing up is every morning when I was uh, getting ready for school, I would come down for breakfast, and more times than not, my mom would be sitting at the kitchen table eating her breakfast and reading her Bible. When we talk about the examples of training our children up, is just by showing, by exemplifying with our lives. We see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, that fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And then we see Jesus' invitation, which to me really pulls this all together. And we see this in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 16. And it says, people were bringing infants to Jesus so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them, saying, let the little children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. See, our families are our responsibility. They're part of that faith responsibility that God has charged us with, whether it's children, friends, spouse, the people that are in that circle, God has entrusted us with to continue to pour into with our faith and how we continue to grow. So when we cut the things out of our lives and we begin to introduce the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit, we're not supposed to keep that to ourselves, but we're supposed to bring our family along with it so that way we can encourage each other and that we can continue to do these things together and just like cleaning, you'll be more successful when you involve others. When you have people who are a part of your lives that continue to encourage each other, to encourage you in that growth in the areas where we're saying, today I'm moving forward in this. Will you move forward with me? Because when the clutter is cleared, we have a space that is now available for better things. You ever clear out a room and realize how big the room was <laughs> at the end of it? Well, you look at it and say, oh my. I know it's going to happen in um, a couple weeks, hopefully, uh, when I clean my garage, when it's not snowing outside in spring. Right now, I can't even get a, a dirt bike into my, my garage. But at some point, I want to say, wow, I could fit two vehicles inside of this thing? How do I get this in there? You ever clean something you're like, wow, I've got all this room. Sometimes, you know, you're throwing stuff out. Sometimes all you're literally doing is consolidating it into an organized pattern. You don't throw anything out, and you still somehow multiply the space. It's like that time Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves, but it just happened with your space, and you gained square footage in your house. Because here's the thing, is when the clutter is cleared, we have space for things that are better. We have space for things that Jesus wants to have in our lives. Because when I have sin taking up space in my life, I'm not going to have room for the things that are of God because God has better things in store for you and your life. Proverbs 3, chapter 5, or chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding and in all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. We move into Psalms chapter 37, 23 to 24. And it says a person's steps 
are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. So when we let God continue to move inside of us, when we truly find that spot where we are cleansed on the inside, when we begin to create that space to invite the Holy Spirit to be active and present and a part of our lives, we find that our steps are established in the Lord. John 15, 7 through 8 says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. See, when we remain in Christ, our desire for fruit that is of him will continue to grow and he will not withhold those fruits from us. See, this isn't done in a selfish way. The scripture doesn't mean, remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And we come to God in a selfish way, saying, God, well, this is what I want, so uh, God, if this is what I want, I'll listen to you as long as I can get what I want. But that's not what it's saying, because when we look at the scripture, when we say, if I'm truly following after God, my heart, the things my heart yearns for and desires and wants to see happen begins to change, so that the things that I want are things that he wants for me. Not something out of selfish desire or vanity, but it's something that he wants for me because I'm seeking him. I'm creating that space inside of my life for Jesus. And when I have that space, the things that I want continue to be evident of him moving, transforming, and growing within me. So we must now prepare for the harvest. Pastor David, if you can pass some of those things out, uh, give one to everybody. And uh, Pastor Dave is going to hand out something to you. Um, don't laugh because it's cold outside, but you're all getting seeds today. You're not planting them today, but you're getting seeds. It doesn't look like you should be getting seeds today. I, I know, it doesn't feel like it. Um, they're peppers. They're peppers. Hot, hot peppers. Does anybody in this room like spicy things? I love spicy things all the time. I, I could do spicy all day, every day. So here's the thing. I learned something as we were preparing for this message. Did you know peppers are a fruit? Peppers are a fruit. My wife told me that, and I didn't believe her, you know, like all typical husbands do. And I Googled it, and I believed Google <laughs> after we double-checked. But uh, the truth is... These are the only fruits we could find at the store with seeds, so that's what they are. And uh, that's why they're peppers. And you can keep them as a reminder. You can plant them as a reminder. I know I'm, I'm really curious to taste some of these and see what happens. You've got the heat index. If you don't like your pepper, you can come and exchange one uh, with Pastor Dave. But see, springtime is important because the right crops need to be planted today to be ready for the harvest season. As Jeremiah comes on up, I have to ask you this question that, where we need to be ready to do what God has in store for us in the future, we must be preparing for it today. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the rhythm of our daily structure, the rhythm of the seasons that we have in our lives. Really saying, God, where are you taking us? Where are you leading us? Where are you leading me, my family? And if we're going to be prepared for the season, if we're going to be prepared for the harvest, then our seeds must be planted at the right time. Because otherwise, you will have nothing at the harvest. 
See, when we repent of our sins, we make room to grow the fruits in our lives that honor Christ. That's why I gave you fruit, you know, a hot pepper. When we repent of the sin, we make room to grow the fruits in our lives that honor Christ. When our seed falls on the right ground, we set it up to grow exponentially. When our seeds fall on the right soil, when our seeds are in the right environment, we set them up to grow exponentially. And we see the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 9. It says, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. They weren't pepper seeds, apparently. But other seeds fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly. And since the soil wasn't deep, when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns came up and choked it. And it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. See, seeds hold so much potential. It's untapped right? But they must be in the right environment to reach all that it can be. Because in our hands right now, we are holding something with potential. We are holding something that can grow and bear fruit. And when it's not in the right environment, we might as well throw it away. We might as well open this up and pour it down on the ground if I say I have no desire to see this fruit grow. And I'm not talking about pepper. I'm talking about the fruit of your lives. Because if I'm just saying, hey, I'm here at church because it's the right thing to do this week, we might as well rip this up and throw these seeds on the ground. But if we're here today and we're saying, I want more of Jesus in my life. I want to see the fruits of the Spirit. I want to see the fruits that he has in store for me grow. Then I must take the seed. I must take my life. And I must make sure that I'm putting myself in the right environment to see God move inside of my life. To prepare me for all that he has in store for me. And we look outside. We look throughout this room. And we see people that are here to water each other. To plant each other in the right soil. Because the seed needs the right soil. It needs the right water. It needs the right amount of sunlight. It needs that right environment. And for us as Christians, if we're saying, God, produce fruit through me. I've cleaned out the clutter. I've gotten ready. I've found the space. I have the space for you to grow inside of me. Let me plant these seeds. Let me find myself in an environment that says, God, you're going to move inside of me. You're going to grow inside of me. And I'm going to see your fruit move and grow and flourish in my life. That's why we gather as a church. That's why we encourage followers of Christ to spend time daily 
in his word. Spend time daily in his prayer and devotion with him. Not just reading it, but getting to know him each and every day. That's why we have life groups and Bible studies and so many different things to build that community, to grow in our faith. And this is why we look at who we are as followers of Christ, where God is calling us to go. And we can make sure that we tend to the fruit where we are to be the utmost important thing in our lives, to see this fruit grow in a way that honors Christ. And we look throughout scripture and we see the fruit. We see the seeds referenced time and time again. God wants to grow something in you. We can either take our seed and throw it to the ground. We can just see what happens and throw it to the wind. Or we can be intentional about it. We can be intentional with it. Because what point is there to cleaning the clutter of my spiritual life up if I'm not going to make room for these seeds to grow? For the fruit in my life to grow, to reach the potential that God has given me, the potential that God has planted within me. So when we look at the fruit, when we look at these seeds, we have to ask ourselves, what fruit am I growing? What needs to be pruned? Because once this starts growing, we don't just let it go because I put it in the right spot, right? If anybody in this room gardens, or knows anything about taking care of plants is that you can't just leave it and forget it. You have to tend to it. You have to take care of the garden that it's in. You have to continue to protect the plant. You have to guard the plants. You have to nourish the plants. It's the same thing. We're not going to see the spiritual fruit grow in our lives if we don't continue to nourish it, if we don't continue to spend that time with Jesus if we don't continue to give him our lives daily as a choice, freely coming before him and saying, Jesus, I give you my day. Allow me to be who you've called me to be. Speak to me, speak through me. Let your fruit be evident in my life. I'm gonna close with this thought. Have you ever had an apple in the winter versus an apple in the summer? It might as well be two different fruits, right? Because you know this one fruit was probably grown with a light in the basement somewhere. Or it certainly tasted that way. But then you go to that orchard when the harvest time is ripe and you take a bite of one of those crisp apples right off of the tree, juices pouring into your hand, creating a fountain off of your beard, if you have a beard. There's a difference, right? Because one was cared for differently. One was nourished differently. So when we clear out the things from our lives, when we clear the clutter, 
And we say, God, I'm, get, I'm making this space. I'm getting rid of sin so I can grow these fruits of you inside of my life. We must tend to it. We must continue to grow it so that his fruit will be evident each and every day. So I don't have to be like that winter fruit that was grown improperly, that was grown, that it looks good, but doesn't taste great. But instead, take the time to continue to daily make the right decision, to daily pursue him, so that when that harvest comes, that fruit is not just desirable to me, but creates a desire in others to know more of who Jesus is. That the fruit that I bear is something that leads another person to experience Jesus. So here's how we're going to close today. This is a symbol. This morning, I just want to ask that you just hold this symbol out. Again, there's nothing special about these seeds. They're just dollar store seeds. Just adds to the fact that there's nothing special about it. But they're a symbol of the fruit that is within each and every one of us. That is within you and where you're sitting. That God wants to see grow. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And during that time, I want your prayer, if this is true and evident in your life, to say, God, grow these seeds within me. Let me bear your fruit, the fruit you are asking me to grow, to be evident in my lives. So Jesus, we give you all that we have this morning. We give you all that we are that as we take a look inside of our lives and we look at how we clear the clutter, clear the sin, clear the things that are not of you, that when we create this room, that God, we invite you to plant these seeds inside of us, that we can continue to grow them, that we can nourish them. Just as the seeds that we hold will grow to bear good fruit, allow me to be a steward of the life that you have trusted me with. Allow me to be a good caretaker of the things that you have trusted me to grow, to see, to release to you. God, allow our fruit to bear witness of your goodness and your mercies. That all we say, that all we do, that all we cultivate inside of our lives is for you and for your glory and for your perfection so that we may worship you with all that we say and with all that we do so that we can reach the potential that you have given us so that we are not like those seeds that have fallen or blown to the winds or eaten up by thorns but instead that we can make sure that we're in that right environment to see this fruit grow inside of our lives. Jesus, move within us. Transform us. Grow us. Let us not be the same each new day you give us than the day we have today. That we may not stop growing and tending to the souls of our lives and who you're asking us to be and where you're leading us to go. Be with us today. 
so that we may bear this fruit in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now, obviously, you can take these seeds and you can grow them and make this a, a physical reminder. You can put them somewhere. Um, you can leave it in your car. Put it somewhere that's going to remind you that there's a seed within you that needs to grow, that there is fruit that you can bear. You can guide what type of fruit you bear when you give it all to Jesus. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Sunday. Just a reminder, you can grab a bunch of these invite cards for Easter. Invite a friend. We're going to do one service with Rita's Italian Ice. It's going to be a great Sunday. And I expect to see people come to know Jesus that morning. It's going to be absolutely awesome. So I hope you have a great rest of your snowy afternoon. And God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.